1: Just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida.
2: Welcome, friends, to another edition of On the Rails. With me, your host, Forrest Whitman. And we're here in the Cahen caboose. K-H-E-N 106.9 on your FM dial are always available as podcasts and on iTunes. If you want to listen on, on in on uh, iTunes, and we're we're sitting here in the Cahen caboose, we've we're we're starting to warm up a little in the caboose, but we still got a fire going in the old pot belly stove. And and remember, keep your feet up, stay braced, because when that slack starts running out, bum 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 bum, bum wham and it hits the end of the line, you're gonna be jostled around, no doubt about it. And we have with us in the caboose today, a very, very special guest, our producer. You don't realize that this show is, Leslie is the producer. She's been, Leslie Matthews has been producing this show right along, we wouldn't be here without her. And in fact, this show originally was her idea. So welcome to the caboose, Leslie.
1: Oh my goodness, I'm so glad to be here. I (laughs) have wanted to get on the caboose for years, years, and no one has invited me till now, so I
2: am
1: thrilled to be actually in the real caboose chugging down the track.
2: And we've got got one of the bunks up here. See that? Turned it down. Yeah, there's a pillow. There's a blanket. You can spend the night in the caboose if you want to
1: wow this yeah.
2: is so nice bring your dog buddy buddy could be here can buddy now sit up, in the seat where you can look out can he go oh up? sure oh he can look out the caboose he can okay. look out the back the back door now this train is borne along down the tracks by our hearty engineer none other than rick white our engineer so rick do you want to make any sounds up there so we
0: it looks like clear sailing today, Forrest. And uh, always a pleasure to do these shows with you. And I'd like to tell your listeners that this is a very special show. It we are celebrating. Oh goodness, we yes. are celebrating! He's, he's getting so emotional. It's <laughs> the four-year anniversary of On the Rails.
1: Yeah, four whole years. It's really amazing. I think it may be the longest-running podcast that we've ever had.
2: Yeah. I- oh my goodness. Well, I don't blame you for being emotional. Although emotional engineers, we also another reason he's emotional up there. He has a very special fireman. Not only is he the engineer, the fireman, or what we call them these days, apprentice engineers, is is Juanita, and we have heard some things from Juanita. I don't know if she's up there today, but she's. I, um, I don't pretty think vocal. she's.
0: I don't think she's quite in the mood to uh, go on this special show today for us, but she is here and she'll be uh, keeping an eye on the tracks with me. And it looks like clear sailing. No
2: fooling around in the engine. I want you to call signals. Remember we used to in the old days, the engineer would go high green. The fireman would look out and say, or apprentice engineers, they're called high green. And uh, that way they'd, They'd keep each other awake in those long 16 hour nights, which by the way, the railroad management on the Burlington still trying to keep everybody out there for for 16 hours. And um, well, I won't go into all that, but you know, railroad workers are exempt um, and have been from the normal rules of the road when it comes to negotiations and contracts and all that because they were put in under emergency powers back, I think it was 1911. So it's, uh, it's always interesting to watch that. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. What are we going to talk about today?
1: You know, that was actually really interesting, because it's kind of like being a doctor when you're an intern, and you have to stay up all night. It's kind of like that, or a, a, a long haul trucker that stays up all night, stays
2: up all night.
1: They're supposed yeah. to be like regulations to keep people, you know, okay. And I well, guess okay. the railroad,
2: if there are regulations. Out. Sure, there are regulations, but they're very, they're very loose. And they were, as I say, put in before any of the federal laws or anything. These are, wow. and so they're pretty, and they keep trying, but they don't have the right to strike either. Do you
1: think, do you think the yeah. railroad has always been kind of loosey goosey? It's, well, I don't, I don't know why.
2: Well, I do have a
1: I do have a short story, very short about that. Oh
2: well, go no, well, go ahead, go run. Well,
1: my um, you know I'm a hospice volunteer, and one of my patients, my hospice patients, um, is a 94 year old man, wonderful, wonderful man, and he was working on the railroad as a teenager during World War II, and what he told me is that during World War II, you know, all the young men were gone, right? They they actually got on the trains and went to training and then went overseas in World War II. And he was 16 and too young to go. And uh, the railroad didn't have enough workers because of World War II. And so they allowed teenagers to work the rails back in the day. They kind of skirted around the You know, you're too young, whatever the law is of how old you have to be. So I think it was when he was 14 and 15, he was hired to work the rails and work as the supervisor for a crew, uh, a gang, I guess you would call them, right? A gang from Mexico, because Mexico did not fight in World War II, but they did support in World War II by filling some roles that Americans couldn't fill. And they would have uh, gangs of young men from Mexico come up and work on fixing the tracks and, you know, all sorts of other things. And they put in this kid who didn't speak Spanish, right? Oh,
2: my God.
1: He's 14 or 15, and he's running the gang using oh. hand signals and things. And um, I, I doubt they needed a lot of supervision. I think they were very hard workers. And,
2: Those guys, they yeah. Those crews they, would work, yeah.
1: Yeah, and they would sleep in the rail cars. They would sleep. I mean, that's where the railroad essentially put them up, was in the rail cars. And then my patient, who's now 94, would go to work at 15 years old and and supervise these guys on the tracks. So... That's my railroad skirting the rules story. Boy,
2: for- oh, I, I guess, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that brings yeah. up another uh, item of one of the shows that you did in the last year, I think, about the um, the Indian track gangs. Can you speak steel to that? Steel gangs, course?
2: the steel gangs, yeah. And those steel gangs, they all came from the same Pueblo. Uh, they worked on the Santa Fe a lot. The Mexican, the Mexican track gangs more worked on the Denver and Rio Grande. They more worked through Colorado, Uh, but the Mexican guys more worked. They worked out of LA. They worked a lot through, uh, I think it's Kingman, Arizona, uh, Barstow. Where where else does the Santa Fe? The Atchison, Topeka and the Santa Fe. Your favorite railroad, I know Rick, the Santa Fe, and (laughs) where where your dad worked forever. But uh, so they would come from the same Pueblo. You'd have a Laguna uh, Indian steel gang. They would do all the steel. They would uh, carry the spikes. They could walk down the tracks, carrying um, two backpacks full of spikes. They'd go along, they'd throw the spikes in the pre-drilled holes. They would pound the spikes in. Then they'd pick those up and go on to the next. And so that was the Laguna guys. The Navajo guys were a little different. The Navajo guys did insist that they get to go home and be in their sweat lodge uh, on certain occasions. I don't know what they were, but so they'd work straight through. Then they'd go back to Navajo land for, I don't know, a couple of days maybe, and then they'd come back. But these were steel gangs and they got so that they'd, they, they knew each other and they knew what each other were doing and they didn't, they didn't even need to, to decide what to do in the morning. They just took a look at it, went out, and uh, took a look at it, went out, and then did it. I mean, it, they, they just somehow magically uh, knew each other through, through the whole thing. Isn't that interesting?
1: It is. You know, I remember that show, Forrest, and yeah. I remember that the gentleman that you were speaking to about that talked about how, as an unintended consequence— of integration during, I don't know when, the integration laws were put into effect.
2: It was the 70s, wasn't it? 70s. Or maybe that, 80s.
1: That yeah. certainly, a, a completely unintended consequence was it broke up those groups and they worked so well together. And it was just a shame yeah. to it not was, it was, allow uh, that familial, almost like a familial understanding of one another when they were working Yeah. Yeah, that's really a shame that that happened.
0: It did happen. Yeah, and Forrest, um, you spoke of Kingman Barstow and the uh, song Route 66 uses the uh, line, Kingman Barstow and San Bernardino. And uh, it's a great song. Get your kicks on Route 66. Oh, yeah. Route 66. On
2: route
1: 66. Yeah. Well, this, um, has been, this has been such a great little team that we've had here doing this show for quite a few years since Rick joined. Rick hasn't been here for the full four years as the engineer, but but a lot of it, right? And it's just been such a pleasure for us to work your show as a team member. Do you know that we are all up underneath this show with you? It's really been amazing,
0: an amazing yeah. team i remember the first show i don't remember the first guest we had but it was by a telephone And uh, I had Forrest in the production studio at and I said, (laughs) so how do we do this? And he says, well, you just balance this telephone up on the microphone. And I just rolled my eyes. I was like, this needs to be brought together. And you gotta keep in mind that this was before Zoom days. We've been doing these uh, Zoom-wise, I would say getting close to two years. And it's really um, widened who you can get as guests, and it's been easier for us to handle distant guests. We didn't need to be at the station during uh, COVID, and that was, and that is kind of what brought Zoom to us as a society. So I've been uh, sort of uh, in the engine here, and I help Forrest with the recording of these shows, and then there's a couple steps, and I ship them off to Leslie, and she puts the music at the front, the music at the back, and and we can't thank you enough for your uh, contribution that way, Leslie, and so nice to have you here today.
1: Oh, yeah. It's just been a pleasure. It's been a great four years. I think at the very beginning, we had some other people helping on and off, but I've pretty much been doing the production piece for most of those four years. It's just, Virtually all, yeah. Yeah, and it's kept me... First of all, I learn a lot all the time about rail. Oh, just a quick aside... I'm going to be going to Italy later this year, during this Ooh. year, my husband and myself and most of our travel in Italy, almost all of it will be by rail. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm.
2: We got to get her on the show afterwards. And maybe afterwards
1: even the- yeah, I mean, yes. there's, there's one fast, you know, kind of bullet train that goes from Rome all the way up to Florence and then on to Bologna. And we're going to be taking that train to Bologna when we first get there. Nice. And then all the other train travel is going to be on more of their sideline. You know, not the not the bullet train, but the sure. regular chug-chug trains.
2: Just tootling totally no around. Which are more fun. The bullet train thing, I've, I've been on a couple of them. Uh, they're not much fun. You, you can't see anything. It's just a blur. It's a blur. You know?
1: Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. It's a beautiful lakes region in Umbria and Tuscany, and it's going to be oh my. beautiful, beautiful travel. So anyway, uh. my point was that I've learned so much over the years about train travel and become so much more excited about train travel. And I think that that's one of the gifts that you bring for us to not only our community, but really to the whole country, because people listen all over the place now that we've got it up on iTunes. Yeah. And you're you're part of the movement to bring back rail travel as a sort of an enjoyment piece of travel, right? Not just yes.
2: getting yeah. from
1: A to point B.
2: We had the uh, mayor of uh, Trinidad uh, not long ago. And that was the point he was making was not too many people think of Trinidad, Colorado, as a um, well as a destination point. To, you know, not many people say, "Gee, I'm going to spend my uh, my my Labor Day weekend in Trinidad, Colorado." But once they've done it, they realize that that's the taking off point for some really nice train trips, like Chicago, like L.A., like you know, trips like that. Nice overnight overnight trips, and so they buy a they buy a little sleeper and climb into that sleeper and off they go from, from Trinidad, you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. It's hot. Trinidad is, is really up and coming. And um, I've often told our son that he should go buy some property in Trinidad because it's still inexpensive to buy property in Trinidad. And if that rail line comes down from Denver and extends to Trinidad, which, I can't believe they wouldn't do that given that the other line that goes to LA and Chicago is in Trinidad, why wouldn't you, right? If they do that, then Trinidad's just gonna explode. It's, right? it's gonna
2: explode. Uh, I don't know, they, they uh, are, are talking uh, right now, they've been talking quite a little bit about um, extension down to, well, it's sort of north of Pueblo, if you can picture that. It's their transit center. But they've moved the transit center, or are moving it, downtown. Well, guess where that'll be? Right by the old um, railroad station there in Pueblo, which is beautiful. It's 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 a uh, 19th century. It's it has, it's the one that has the huge naked bronze woman holding a scepter out in front of the station. I mean, she's huge. She's I don't know 45 feet high, something like that. <laughs> and by the way in pueblo colorado and the station itself is all i I went to a colorado association of railroad passengers we had one of our meetings there and by the way join that it still costs you only 15 dollars a year to join colorado association of railroad passengers anyway we met there and beautiful oak light oak finish all through the station the old the old the seats are still there The bar is still there um, and the naked woman. But some presidential candidate, I I forget who it was, a Republican, to be Republican, took exception to that statue. Said, well, we can't be filmed in front of a naked woman. So they had to drape. They had to drape a white drape curtain kind of thing over the over the statue. And they put a
1: toga on her.
2: Yeah, yeah something funny.
0: like that. Isn't yeah, that funny? Forrest, why don't you uh, share the name? I, I just don't quite remember what, uh, was it Phil, the mayor of Trinidad? It'll come
2: bubbling up here in
0: just a few uh-huh. seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just along those lines, as I said earlier, the uh, Zoom has made a big difference. And he was a very special guest here to have the mayor of a, or one of our Colorado towns as a guest on this show. And it was a very good show. And uh, there's been a number. And one of the other ones that I'd like to mention was when we got uh, Hayden Soloveve of the Solavie family. That was a that was a big show and as we were getting ready for this show we were pretty impressed that we had gotten this interview with this guy and I did a last minute uh search on him and it turned out that this was going to be a 19 year old young man that was going to be the representative of this uh, family that has bought a hundred miles of railroad line out in eastern Colorado and we were going 19 years old but he was a great guest he uh he he really had some vision and uh it just comes from a very rich family that could um afford to buy 100 miles of railroad line.
2: Well, and the story is that he told it was interesting, too, because um, the Union Pacific kept saying, we don't care about the grain producers of eastern Colorado. And they kept saying, wait a minute, that's us. That's what we do. We, we produce grain and we haul it by rail because it costs so much to try to haul it in trucks. It's just much more economical to put it in rail cars and haul it. And so the union, the great and mighty Union Pacific, as they sometimes call themselves, they said, well, that's, that's your problem, not ours. And so they said, well, you know what? We're going to buy the towner line. They said, what? You can't buy the towner line. They went before the, the feds, the Federal Ground Surface Transportation Board. So they went before the sur- Surface Transportation Board. So interesting. That board never rules against the big railroads, but they did that time. They said, well, these uh, grain producers have a point. How come you won't uh, haul their grain? And they said, well, what, what are we gonna do? They said, well, we'll give the Towner line to the state of Colorado. It'll be a pass through, then you can just buy it. And all Colorado has to do is rubber stamp it. And so they'll, they'll own it for a minute <laughs> and then we'll give it to the family or you'll give it to the family. So it was all agreed to, and Union Pacific is standing there saying, "But, but, 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 no, I'm sorry, it's gone." And what a story that they just they just grabbed it. Now they own it, and they've got a caboose, they've got an engine. We we got to get a picture of the that family in by their caboose. Yeah, I think it's
1: great that they are hauling grain again instead of just yeah. Dumping them in trucks. We need to be hauling something besides coal, right? Mm
2: -hmm. Oh yeah. So that's a
1: really good thing that there's other business going to the railroads, and the reason why these railroads were in a lot of these places was because of the ag business, and you know, being able to haul grain. So it's nice that that's happening again. That's a good thing. I heard Rick White say that. Well, motion that there's only five minutes left.
2: Which is oh no safe oh wait we're just perfect. starting to tell stories here ah. well we're gonna have we're gonna have to take a break well let's take a break refill our coffee cups or teacups or whatever and then let's uh, let's jump in and we I, we might even found that by the way uh, Phil's last name is Rico. Rico Phil Rico he's he's the mayor of Trinidad Phil Rico we might even be able to to get some, some of his interviews, fascinating interviews that we've had with Jim Sobe, because Sobe is the president of the Front Range Passenger Rail Commission. And uh, so he he's kind of Mr. Big, you know, in all this. Mr. Big. And, and when, when we had him on, we said, how much money are we getting for um, COVID relief, restructuring money and stuff, he said, More money than we know what to do with.
0: He said, Really?
2: He said, Really? If we can get this. Well, I said, We got to get this flowing. But I said, Well, what does that mean? He says, Try three trains a day, Pueblo to Union Station. I said, Whoa. He said, Try the idea of extending that down to Trinidad. Try the idea of extending it from Union Station up to Boulder. He said, Try to think about what, you know, what would that mean? And I said, well, that would mean you'd stop in Colorado Springs. He said, yeah, but they, they're so negative toward our commission. Maybe we won't stop there. He said, maybe we'll just buzz through their town and say, you guys are so negative about the passenger rail commission. You don't want passenger rail? Fine. We'll just, we'll just keep right on going. Slow us down a little bit. But there we go. He's a funny guy, Jim so- Sobe. Sobe, he likes to be interviewed in his bathrobe. Well, you've, you've
1: interviewed him quite a few times. And I just want to remind yes. everybody that you can go onto to CAHEN's website, K-H-E-N.org, and you can search, I believe, for specific people. So if I want to I listen to Jim Sobey because he has the latest and greatest. You can go in and the search bar, CAHEN, and put in Sobey's name. And I believe you will come up with the podcast that he's on because his name is is in the title of the podcast so so you can search for things it it is a treasure trove of information four years worth of shows and it's not like they're not useful anymore they're oh my gosh some of them are are dated a little but most are not most are really what's going on still right now so
2: and and the whole the whole battle for tennessee pass the railroad battle still going
1: on today still going on I mean, today and you know we can talk about that when we come back for sure but i think i think we have to we wrap gotta up go i'm away. so excited do i get to say highball because i've been listening <laughs> <to> <laughs> long somebody long years.
2: wait wait for the highball from the wait for she's leaning out she's leaning out the caboose she's leaning there she goes we, she's got her lantern up in the air we're ready to hear it highball